Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Do you want to get better at deer hunting? If you just break one or two bad habits, your level of success should increase considerably. Hey, and welcome to the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today we are talking about breaking 10 bad deer hunting habits. People are often looking for, okay, what can I do to get better? What can I do to improve? What can I learn? What can I add? How can I grow? And all of that is good but sometimes if you just look for a few bad habits, if you can just set right a few things that you're doing wrong, if you can just break a couple of bad habits, then you've got all this stuff that you were doing that was working against you out of the way, and that alone can be a lot to really help you out. So today we're going to talk about 10 bad habits for deer hunting and how you can break them. So we're going to start at the top of the list. Number 10, not playing the wind. Big bad habit. Many new hunters make or do this. and Lots of more advanced hunters do it too. They just don't play the wind. You just go to a spot and you think that's going to be a good spot because it is a good spot and you like that spot and you always go to that spot, but you don't take the wind into account. The first few years I hunted deer, I did not take the wind into account at all. Never even crossed my mind, never even looked, didn't even think about what the wind was supposed to be, what it was. And um, interestingly enough, I didn't shoot any deer those years. Hmm. Correlation? I don't know. You gotta take the wind into account. If you just waltz in and do whatever, um, and the wind is not on your side, or at least not even neutral, it is gonna blow your chances 
It's going to really hurt you. There's always a chance that you can get lucky that, you know, a young deer is going to come out and not care if they smell you. But by and large, if you don't pay attention to the wind, it's going to hurt you again and again and again. That said, you don't need to master the wind. All right, if you are just mindful of it, the wind can't be mastered. You know, just FYI, it doesn't, it doesn't follow anyone's protocols. It, doesn't, it never follows exactly what the weather said it's going to do. It never does exactly what you think it's going to do. It could be perfect, and then it could blow the opposite way, and then it could be perfect again. And of course, the deer's walking up right at that five minutes when it's blowing the opposite way. You can't master this. Of course, you can get better at it. There, there's, a, there's a level of proficiency you can attain. But if you just take it into account... If you just take a couple minutes and look at what the wind's supposed to be that day at that spot and say, okay, does this make any sense to go out on this day? Or is this like the worst spot I could ever possibly sit with the wind doing what it's doing? You know, if you just take that much into account, that can absolutely revolutionize your hunting. If you go from not paying any attention to the wind to spending five minutes looking at it before every hunt and then deciding where to go, that can make all the difference in the world. I probably should have saved this one for the top. I don't know that anything can make more difference faster than by not playing the wind and then just being mindful of it. Number nine, bad habit, too noisy. Too noisy all the time. Too noisy walking in. Too noisy sitting there. Too noisy getting set up. Too noisy in the tree stand. Too noisy fidgeting. Too noisy getting your gun or your bow up to bear. Just too noisy. And oftentimes, people that are rifle hunting think somehow they can get away with being noisy because they're going to be further away from the deer. However, the vast majority of deer, at least shot in my area with a rifle, are shot within bow range. Um, it just seems to be the way it is. I think actually probably every deer I have ever shot with a rifle was within bow range. I don't think I have ever taken a deer outside of bow range with a rifle. It's just, those are just the opportunities. I think the average rifle shots from some statistics that, some statistics that I saw recently was about 30 yards as the average rifle shot on a deer. Now, of course, if you're hunting in big plains and out west and big fields, you're going to be able to take further shots. But the average hunter nationwide is taking a 30-yard shot with a rifle, which is bow range, which is certainly crossbow range. And, you know, if you think you can just get away with noise because you've got a rifle and you can shoot far, you're kidding yourself. you got to be quiet. Walking in, being quiet matters a lot. You know, you're going to make some noise walking in because you're not a ghost. You're going to make some noise. But there's all kinds of stuff walking through the woods, whatever time of day it is, especially before dark. You can get away with that little bit of cautious noise that you make walking through because deer walking through makes some noise. Raccoons walking around make some noise. Groundhogs and rabbits walking around make some noise. You can get away with making some noise, but you can't get away with just dis blatant disregard. You're going to spook too many deer in the area. 
You're going to push too many deer away. You can push deer away that then run into other deer and push them away further away outside of the noise range. And then you get to the spot, whether it's a blind or a tree stand. You get up in there, you get ready to go, and you're just too noisy. Daybreak comes, you're fidgeting, you're pulling out granola bars, you know, opening those plasticky sort of foil wrappers can be so unbelievably loud. You could hear that from 50, 60, 70, 100 yards away sometimes. Depends on how clear of a day it is. Depends on how open the woods are. Just too noisy. You know, I often will eat nothing on a hunt until noon. And usually I only do half day hunts, which means I don't eat while I hunt. At least not when I'm hunting deer. If I'm hunting something else like turkeys or uh, something else I might eat. But when it comes to deer hunting, I'm usually doing half day hunt and I'm not eating during that hunt. Why? Because it makes noise. Now, there's exceptions, of course. Depends on how you're hunting. You know, if you're still hunting and you're walking and hunting, that's different than if you're sitting in a tree stand or you're sitting in a closed quarters blind. But for the most part, I don't even eat because I don't want to make that noise because it just seems like any time you do, that's when the deer were just about to come into view. So, you got to be quiet. You know, there's a lot of little things you can do. All right. If you're going to if you're going to bring granola bars, take unwrap the granola bars in advance, wrap them in some saran wrap. Not the press and seal, but the the cheap just quiet saran wrap. Same thing you can do with sandwiches. And it can be a lot lower volume unwrapping your food to eat it like that than by all this commercial packaging, which doesn't matter, you know, when you're in the car, it doesn't matter. When you're on an airplane, it doesn't matter. When you're sitting in your living room, but in the woods, sometimes trying to open a power bar, it just sounds like nails on a chalkboard. So you got to think about these things. You got to be quiet. You got to buy gear that's quiet. Number one thing I look for in gear is quiet. I will walk through aisles of pants and shirts and coats, just touch, I won't even look at them, just run my hand through them until I find things that say, ooh, that's quiet. Ooh, that's the right texture. Uh, that'll work good. Then I'll look at it and say, okay, what is this in the zone of what I'm looking for? But I'm hunting by, by noise, or I'm searching and buying by how quiet it is first. You gotta be quiet. You, you Fidgeting. Oh man, the kind of volume people can make fidgeting. And your hand, your your feet stomp against the tree stand, and you knock over a, a stick, and it falls to the ground, and all kinds of things that you can do without even thinking about it. That at the wrong moment can totally blow a hunt. So you gotta just be quieter. If you can just dial back your volume by a few decibels, that can make a huge difference. Number eight, overcalling. Bad habit. Bad habit. People ask, how often should you call when you're hunting deer? Almost never. Almost never. That's about how often I typically call. Almost never. I may call, if I see a deer out of range that starts going away in the other direction, I might grunt at it. If it's the right time for the rut, I might have a a deer bleat can with me. And if it's quiet and 
I think there might be deer around for any number of reasons from scouting or in the area. I might once or twice on an entire hunt use that bleak can. Rattling, you know, once or twice, maybe if it's the right part of the season while I'm archery hunting in the middle of October, I might do a little rattle. Um, you know, maybe right at the beginning of the rut when deer are, they still have got some energy. I may, I've got a rattle bag. I may, and I mean like, you know, one out of three hunts, just depending on the situation and circumstances, depending on whether I know there are multiple bucks in the area. I may, but over the course of the average hunt, I don't call period. There are many times I don't even take my calls into the woods because I'm, I'm going in light. I'm going in after work. I'm trying not to bring too much with me. And I just know from experience calling, uh, it, it will do much more to mess you up than help you if you don't know what you're doing. And over calling, if you just stop calling, you'll probably be more successful. If you call regularly to deer, this is not turkey hunting or duck hunting. If you call regularly to deer and you just stop calling, you will probably have more success. All right, deer are not making lots of noise in the woods. They're not walking around grunting all day. Does are not walking around bleeding all the time. Uh, deer are not fighting all the time. And they're, a lot of the times, all these activities are only happening for a very short period of time during the season. Almost always during the archery season, at least in my state, never during the rifle season. And it's just very thin, very small windows of time where any of these calling types of calling um, can be neutral to helpful. All right, any other time they're going to be hurtful. And doing them too much is going to hurt you. So you just, you need to call sparingly. I don't recommend new deer hunters even buy calls. I don't. If it's your first season, you don't need any calls. All that's going to do is mess you up. All you're going to do is mess yourself up with calls. You start to get a little experience, then okay, yeah. Maybe you want to have a grunt tube in case a deer's walking right in front of you and they're moving too quick and you want to try to blow a quick grunt just to get them to stop and look at you as you pull the trigger. You know, something like that is pretty much the only thing that you're going to need at that level till you get more experience. But even a lot of people with more experience, bad habit, calling too much, relying on calls, got to have all the newest, fanciest, greatest types of deer calls. That's not how this game works. Silent ambush. That's the number one way you pick a spot, you scout, you find where to hunt, and you become invisible. Calling draws attention, it draws eyeballs. You know, if you're bleeding up in a tree and a deer's walking under, you think that's going to be normal? You think that's going to sound natural? You think there's any does up in the trees bleeding? No, that's just, that's not, it's not going to draw a deer in like you think it's going to do. If you're on the ground, if you're in a blind, if you're hiding in some cover, you can sometimes make a couple calls here and there that could potentially get a deer's attention. But guys, most of the time, what I find is even if a deer hears you, even if you get its attention, you have made it more wary. It's like, hey, what was that? Hey, what's over there? 
it's it's more on guard and and may often be more difficult to hunt. So call less or not at all, and you may actually up your game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number seven, trying to use cover scent. Cover scent. All right. This is a huge one. This just messes people up all the time. Cover scent is a false idea. All right. You know, we think, you know, as humans, oh, well, you know, I smell a little stinky. Maybe I'll throw some cologne on and cover that up. And um, that doesn't, it only works so much, even with humans. Deer's noses are so much more sophisticated than ours. Whatever you use to cover, you're just adding more scent. And usually the cover scent is going to draw just as much as attention from the deer as the scent that you're trying to cover up. It's going to cause them to go, oh, hey, wait, what's something's wrong here. What's over there? What's making that? Where's that coming from? You're going to cause more problems. You, you cannot cover your scent. You just can't do it. You can reduce your scent. You can wash your stuff in scent-free detergent. You can bathe regularly. I mean, think about it. If you can smell another guy, the deer can smell that other guy. Of course, the deer can smell that other guy if you can't smell him. But you can reduce your scent so that effectively you make it seem to the deer that can smell you that you're further away than you are and potentially not a danger. So scent elimination and scent cover don't, it's not, it's a complete waste of money. What you need to do is play the wind. The wind will do more than any cover scent, than any scent elimination spray or any scent elimination system. Nothing can beat the wind. You can do some things to reduce your scent, which is good. It's fine. Do it. But when it comes to trying to cover it or eliminate it or spraying yourself with deer urine or whatever, guys, none of that smells natural. None of that's in context. That does not work as often as it hinders or hurts. All right. It may every now and then cause a deer to become intrigued and come in, but it's going to take just as many deer and they're going to become extra wary and they, hey, something's out of place, something's wrong here, and they're going to go the other way. Stop trying to cover your scent. Take reasonable steps to reduce it and play the wind. Number six, obvious blinds and stands. Obvious blinds and tree stands. You know, of course, you're not going to be able to 100% blend in a tree stand or a blind. But you want it to appear natural. You want it to appear out of a deer's regular field of vision. Or you have to make sure that that thing is there year-round for them to get used to it. Now, this matters the most with mature bucks. All right? Young bucks and does, not so big of a deal. They're going to they're gonna get used to things pretty quickly. But mature bucks, 
they're going to see man-made shapes, man-made structures, and they're going to know this is out of place here. So you want to brush in whatever you have. You want to brush in blinds. You want to, you want to, if you have a blind, you know, you don't want it silhouetted against the, you know, against the sky. You don't want just this box shape. Better if you can at least push it in to some brush. So it it's just becomes an extension out of the brush or break up the outline with cover or around trees and bushes and shrubs. You want to try to disguise it, to break up the outline. Of course, your blind's going to be camo most likely, but you want to break up that outline. Same thing with tree stands. You do not want your tree stand facing the line, the trail that the deer are walking so that they're looking straight at your tree stand as they're walking a trail. You want to be off to the side. You want that deer to, to be looking at focusing on something else, not looking straight at you as it walks around. You want to try to get out of their direct line of vision into the periphery. And when a deer is walking through the woods or walking through whatever, they experience movement all around them because they're moving. They feel like everything around them and the trees are moving. So you can get away with that little bit of movement that you need to draw and shoot. But if they're looking straight at you, you can't get away with anything. So you need to have some element of disguise, of being off to the side, getting into their periphery. You know, yeah, you're up in the trees, but they're walking down a path. All they need to do to look up is move their head a quarter inch. You, you, you can only get away with so much if you're directly in their line of sight. So you need to make sure that you don't have obvious blinds and stands. Use cover, use vegetation, use just the lay of the trail to get off of their core line of sight. Number five, ATV use. This is most often a private land thing, but it's also public land thing in some places. People have this just false thinking that ATVs don't spook deer. There's no way deer don't hear ATVs. There's no way that they don't know about them. Now, young deer, young does, young bucks, you know, sometimes you can get them to eat out of the palm of your hand. You shouldn't be surprised if ATVs don't spook them. But mature deer, mature bucks, they, they're much less tolerant. They're much less tolerant. You always want to get to a place quiet. Don't try to ride in. Unless you're hunting young deer. You know, if you're trying to get year olds or year and a half old deer, well, all right, it may not be a big deal. But if you're trying to get the mature deer in your area, whether that's a three and a half year old or a six and a half year old, ATV use, anything that makes that kind of noise and disturbance is going to push deer away from wherever you are onto adjacent properties or into deeper woods. Number four unhidden trail cameras unhidden trail cameras you know people just think that well a trail camera doesn't spook deer it's invisible well you want to think the same way about trail cameras that you do tree stands you don't want it to be directly in their line of sight for the path that they're walking you want it to be out of their line of sight and ideally above their line of sight all right, best place for a trail camera is about a foot above your head height, however you can reach easily, but as high as you can reach easily. A little bit of a downward angle pointing at a uh, axis of movement 
or a mock scrape or some other attractant or focal point. And what's going to happen there is you're going to spook fewer deer, especially fewer mature deer. You know, if a deer walks or is walking down a trail and they're staring at your trail camera the whole thing, whole time, they know that's weird. They know that's out of place, especially when you put it on a two-inch tree and it's a five-inch trail camera. And they just, you know, they see that. They know that's not normal. They know that's not part of a tree. So you always want to have the tree be bigger than the trail camera. You never want the trail camera to be on their line of sight for where they're walking or hanging out. And then you want it to be up a little bit, out of their reach. And when you do that, you don't have to worry about touching it with your hands and putting silicone gloves on because they're not going to smell it if it's that high. Deer aren't going to just walk up to trees and half climb the tree to sniff your trail camera. So you're accomplishing multiple objectives there. Um, but that's one way that you can keep from spooking deer even when you're not there and just creating a, a property where there's less pressure and intrusion. Number three, bad habit. Walking through your hunting areas. Oh man, did I mess this up so bad my first few years deer hunting. Walking through your hunting areas. I remember I'd sit there. I'd get up a little bit. I'd go walk around. Walk out, look over here, look over there, leave my scent everywhere in the area that I was hunting, that I was facing, come back, sit down as if, you know, that didn't matter. Well, you're doing a bunch of things there that is really bad. First, you're leaving scent all over the place, fresh, immediate scent. You're blowing scent in different angles, in different directions. Now, that's hurting you. You're making noise walking around and looking through areas and it's all over the ground and then you're visible while you're doing all this so oftentimes deer are closer than you think they are <laughs> so many times the deer are closer than you think they are and they smell see or hear you doing this and it just blows up an area it just you spook them you may not hear them run although sometimes you will Sometimes you'll hear them blow or stomp and run. You don't even know where they are, but you're busted. But many other times, they will just melt into the shadows. You'll never know they were there. You'll never know you spooked them, and they're gone. And two minutes later, they might have walked, walked out right in front of you, and you got to get up and just walk around and look over everything and get all your, you know, whatever you got to do. Look, sometimes you do have to get up. You're just your legs, your back, whatever. Wherever you're going to walk and go, don't do it in the area that you're hunting. Retreat out the same way you came in. If you want to take a walk about, if you want to go do some still hunting at midday to stretch and whatever, great. Go somewhere else. Put some distance between you and that stand. Wherever, Whether it's a blind or a tree stand or a good spot that you've scouted, don't just walk around that spot in that area. Leave your scent. Be heard. Be seen. Get out of there as quiet as you can. Sneak away. And then go blow up some other area walking around. And then you can come back to your spot later that day or another time, another day, whatever. And you've not heard it. Number two bad habit. This one's huge. Hunting hope and not sign. Well, I hope there's deer here, so I'm going there. Okay, well, is there sign? Well, you know, we don't... Probably. What? Do you, what? No, there's got to be sign. If there's no sign, why are you there? 
you don't hunt hope, you hunt sign. So many hunters, they just go into the woods every year, same time, same place, and just hope that there's deer there. Well, you know, that could maybe work sometimes, but deer patterns change, deer movements change, food sources change, lots of things change. And if you're just walking into the woods at the same place every year, hoping that there's deer, you could be sadly disappointed, public land or private land. And you may not know when there's deer, what kind of deer, um, which way they're moving. You know, your spot could be right on the place that they walk through and you're busted. You need to scout. You got to hunt sign. You set up on sign. You hunt sign. You go into areas with sign. Um, the whole idea here is to develop a relative certainty that there's going to be deer walking within range of wherever you're going to set up. And you want to have confidence that that's happening on a regular basis. You may not have all the details. Even if you have trail cameras, you won't have all the details. But you can have some confidence and certainty to know this is a good spot. If I sit here, I know the trail's over there. I know the tracks are there. I see the rubs. I see the scrapes. I've got videos. I've got pictures. I've used the binoculars. I know where the deer are regularly. And I'm going to hunt them where they are regularly. All right. You don't just go into an area blind and just hope that there's deer there. You may get lucky every now and then, but consistent success will be fleeting. This is a really bad habit and hunters of all ages and experience levels make this. They don't want to scout. They don't have time to scout. They don't have the money to scout. They think you got to have trail cameras. You don't have to have trail cameras. They're a great tool, but you don't have to have trail cameras. Boots on the ground. Get in there a couple weeks ahead of time. Look around. Figure out what's going on. Is this a good spot? Where are the deer actually going? What are they doing? What areas are they using? What are they eating? Where are they hiding? Figure it out. And then go in there with confidence knowing that this is a good area. Because when nothing's happening and it's completely quiet and silent and you're bored and discouraged, that hope fades. That hope fades real quick. You're like, why would I be here? That hope just disintegrates and blows away. But if you have sign, if you have evidence you can hang on. You know, all right, I don't see anything. I haven't heard anything all day. I didn't see anything yesterday, but I know the deer are in here. I know they come around here. I know this is a good spot. I know it's only a matter of time before deer walk out in front of me. And that confidence will give you the push that you need to stay put, to stay quiet, to, to be patient, to not fidget, and to trust in the, your spot. You know, great example. This past turkey season, I had a lot of sign in an area. I had videos. I had trail cameras. I had tracks. I had, you know, lots of sign that there were turkeys in this spot. And man, I'm sitting there. I didn't hear any gobbles. I heard nothing. Um, nothing at dawn. Nothing in the morning. You know, turkey season, you can start hunting at 5.30 in the morning sometimes. Well, two hours in, I'm sitting there and, you know, your mind says, well, just get up and move. Get up and go somewhere else. Cover some ground. You know, if there's no turkeys here, you're, you're wasting your time. You haven't heard anything. 
go somewhere else. And that is not a bad strategy if you don't have sign. And I had sign. I knew turkeys are in that area. I know turkeys are there. I have seen the turkeys. I have watched the turkeys on video. I have seen them with my own two eyes while scouting. I know turkeys are around there. And, you know, a couple hours in, I'm sitting there and out of nowhere, turkey just appears like it just, you know, vapor, just out of vapor, out of nothingness, come out of a bush. Didn't hear it, never gobbled, never did anything. <coughs> I could see the, I could see the long beard. It never, never made a sound. I shot it at 38 yards. It was a great day. But had I gone with, you know, everything in you gets jittery after a couple hours and wants to go somewhere else and you think the grass is greener on the other side, sign will give you the confidence and the strength to stick it out in a spot to know however grass, however green the grass is somewhere else, I know it's green here. I know it's green here. I'm not leaving. I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. I know that this is a good spot. I'm going to trust the spot. I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to hold on. You know, very rarely have I taken a duck. Uh, well, no, ducks, maybe not the right example. Very rarely have I taken a deer or a turkey immediately upon, you know, first light at legal shooting time. Very rarely. In fact, I don't think I've ever taken a deer immediately at dawn. A couple turkeys, but never a deer. You're always holding on. You're always, you need to have something to go on. If you have no sign and you're just setting up on hope, then, you know, as soon as you get fidgety, as soon as your patience wears out, you're up and moving. And there may indeed have been deer around there, but they're just going to, they may have been about to come in front of you. You don't know. You got nothing to go on. And what people often do is they leave a good spot to go to a worse spot, but they don't know it. They just know they haven't seen anything yet. You know, guys, I have seen deer at all hours of the day. I have seen deer moving. I have seen deer eating. I've seen deer walking. I've seen bucks. I've seen does at all hours of the day. Yes, there are certain times a day that there is more activity, but there's always a chance and if you know they're in the area, if you can see the hundreds of footprints, if you can see the droppings, if you can see rubs and scrapes, you know they're around. If the sign's fresh, the deer are around. And if you're playing the wind right and you're quiet and you've, you've got all these other bad habits in check, your chances are really good and they're usually going to be best if you just stay put. Number one, we might have a couple bonus ones after this too. Number one bad habit, over hunting a spot, over hunting a spot. People love to do this and I know why. You have a favorite spot, you have sign, it's worked before and you over hunt that spot. You just keep going back to the same spot. You just keep coming in. You keep going there again and again and again. Two, three, four, five days in a row. Same tree stand. Same hunting blind. And uh, guys, this is, this is a tough one. Because that pressure, 
the, the you keep going to the same spot day after day is going to reduce your chances of success more and more every day. You don't want to be doing that. You don't want to just keep going to the same spot. And here's the other thing. The wind is almost never good day after day after day after day. So you you almost have to be having other bad habits to facilitate this bad habit. Or they're just making each other worse. Best thing you can do is hunt your best spots when the wind is best for them. Don't hunt the same spot three or four days in a row. Just don't do it. All right. If you don't see any deer the first day in a spot, and then the next day the wind is perfect, all right, you it may be worth hunting that spot two days in a row, but if you don't have any other spots for that wind, all right, it, it, it could be better to hunt the same spot two days in a row than to not hunt if the wind is good for that spot. But you got to realize, coming in, going out, you're putting pressure on the land, you're alerting deer. And if you didn't see anything, I mean nothing that day, why do you think there's going to be deer the next day? Why is the next day going to be better? You got to think about these things. Now, I have hunted the same spot two days in a row and shot a deer on the second day. I have done that. It has worked out for me. Um, But if I don't see any deer... I am not likely to want to go back there another time. You know, at least not the next day. But here's times where it might be the right thing to do. You do see deer. They're at a distance. You don't have a good angle. You don't have a good shot. They're too far. They're on the neighboring property. You know, all the different things. You say, okay, they're here. I see them. I didn't spook them. They didn't know I was here. At least best to your knowledge. They They weren't close enough. They weren't here. They weren't moving this way, you know, they were distracted by something, whatever the case may be, you're going to go in there the next day. Could be a good reason to do it. Might be the right thing to do. But how many spots do you have? If you've listened to previous episodes, and man, if you have not, go to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Go to the hunting categories. Click on deer hunting. There are scores of episodes broken down by category, whatever you're looking for. All right, if you've not listened to previous episodes, you need to keep in mind that ideally you're going to have at least two to three spots. At least two to three. Maybe four or five. The idea being you want to have a spot that is good for every major wind. All right, if you have a west wind, you need to have a west wind spot. If you have an east wind, you ought to have an east wind spot. Now, either one of those may still be good with a north or a south wind, but you're probably going to need a third spot depending on just, you know, the exact geography, right? Oftentimes, it's you got a northeast, southwest, you know, one spot's going to work okay with a couple different wind directions. I've got one spot that if there's any east at all, it works. Dead or due east, northeast, southeast, good spot. West wind, Ooh, bad. No, no west winds at all. Due north, it'll work. Due south, not as good, but it'll work. But any east, ooh, no. So you you need that, you you know, certain spots are going to work. It depends a lot on that spot, but you want to have two or three spots so you can hunt different winds. And then ideally, you can have a couple more spots so that you have options. Because here's the thing, not every spot's going to produce well. 
Not every spot's going to have good good activity come the hunting season. And of course, spots change as the hunting season goes on. They change as habitat and cover and food sources and hunting pressure change. Sometimes a spot can be really bad at the beginning of the season, but at the end of the season, it can be really good if and only if you haven't gone there. Because hunters in other areas nearby have blown out their spots and all the deer now have moved and they're going to that spot. But that would only happen if you don't go in there. And then you slip in at the end of this near the end of the season. That's become a safe place for the deer. And now you've got a great opportunity. And of course, so many other factors. That's a dozen other episodes you can go listen to. But you don't want to blow out your spot. You don't want to hunt the same spot. Because the wind is rarely perfect day after day after day. And the weather is rarely perfect. Which is another big thing. And if you need to go back and listen to episodes I've done on how to hunt the weather, because weather conditions for deer hunting make a huge difference. The best days, long story short, is days where the temperature has just dropped. You've got the, a morning that is colder than the last three, four, five, ten mornings, and you've got the right wind, and those kind of days are going to be the best for deer movement. So if you're only hunting good weather days, you're not going to blow out that spot most of the time because you usually only get maybe two of those kind of days in a row that are going to be good with that wind in that area. And this makes the case for archery hunting and crossbow hunting because you have a much longer season. You can hunt the weather a lot more effectively than if you only have a two-week rifle season and it's all or nothing and you've got to be out there, you're getting nothing. You know, you got to have more spots even if you're if you're hunting like that. But if you got a couple good spots and you're able to hunt over the course of months and you make it a point to hunt good weather days, that's going to help you save those spots. That's going to help you keep from burning them out. You're going to be able to come back to a spot once every week or two and, and not have a big issue there with influencing or, or hurting deer activity. Bonus one. All right, bonus one, failure to learn. All right, bad habit, you don't learn. There are people who have had miserable deer results for decades and they keep getting bad results. Guys, there's a bad habit there. It's not bad luck. It's just not learning, refusing to learn, just doing the same things over and over again, not getting the results you want, and then how, what, why do you keep doing it? Well, you're the victim. Well, it's because of hunting pressure. It's because of the game commission. It's because there's not enough deer. It's because this, that, or the other thing. Guys, listen, you have to learn. You have to adapt. If something doesn't work, change. Research. Dig into the archive of podcast episodes that I've got here. If the same thing keeps failing year after year, you got to change. You've got to learn. You know, there, there's people say, well, there's just not enough deer. Guys, there are more deer in the United States of America today than there was when Christopher Columbus landed. All right. We have ridiculous numbers of deer. Deer thrive on edge and humans create edge. There are more deer living in subdivisions than there are in, you know, hundred, hundreds of miles of open hardwoods and mature growth forests because there's no cover. There's no food. 
They're spread out. There's thin herds in those kind of situations. Humans make great deer habitat and deer adapt well to human influence. A lot of times, the great hunting spots are really close to where people live. Because human activity creates edge, it creates cover, it creates clearings, it creates brush, all these kind of things that deer thrive on. So, you know, a lot of times people think, I got to go into the deep, deep woods to have a good chance. Well, you may have to to burn some boot leather if you want to find big, mature bucks in your area. But oftentimes, little overlooked honey holes for regular deer can be 200 yards away from, you know, housing development. Because the deer around there, they become more comfortable with human scent and human sounds you've got it's a, it's easier in a lot of ways so keep in mind you got to change you got to adapt you got to learn all right learning is the number one thing you can do to become a better hunter of course that's why you're listening this far right if you've heard these words then you have the right mindset or at least developing the right mindset in order to improve your chances and your odds of being effective in the deer woods. So guys, I hope this is helpful for you. Please head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes. Check out lots of other podcast episodes, articles, reviews, things like that. Head to iTunes. Would really appreciate it if you leave a five-star review with a comment because it's the number one way to grow the show and reach more people to affect the algorithm. Thank you so much. Till next time, God bless you and go get them in the woods.